Welcome to Epiphany Brooklyn's podcast. I am Brandon Watts, lead pastor here at Epiph. Thanks so much for tuning in. Our desire is to join Jesus in his mission to redeem our city. May God bless you as you listen and consider subscribing so that you can tune in each week. Grace and peace. Good morning and welcome to the first episode of Brewing with Brandon. No, I'm kidding. Uh, anybody that knows me knows that I love a good cup of coffee. In fact, there's an anonymous uh, source that says that life is too short to drink bad coffee. So this morning, I'm going to show you how to brew a legit cup of coffee. Here's the reality. Do you know that billion worth of coffee is imported into the U.S. every year. Like, just just think about that for a second. $5.4 billion of coffee. And, And the reality is most of the coffee that is being imported into America is imported from the continent of Africa. More specifically, imported from Ethiopia. Ethiopia is the northeast part of Africa, and and I don't know if you know this, but Ethiopia is what's called the birthplace of black gold, the birthplace of coffee. Why is it the birthplace of coffee? Because, man, I don't know if you know the story, but I'd love to tell you a little bit about the story as we segue into the scriptures this morning. I don't know if you know this, but Ethiopia is the birthplace of coffee because it is a story that says that that is the place where coffee was first found. There was an Ethiopian goat herder and he was taking his goat out for a walk and one day they were eating berries from an unknown bush and they become they became very excited and very wild and, and jumping all over the place and he was intrigued by it and so he took some of the berries back and they started to chew on the berries and when they were chewing on the berries they found that it gave them an adrenal, adrenaline rush almost like drinking a Red Bull, maybe a few Red Bulls. So they begin to chew on them, on them, and for some time they realize that it might be a good idea to take the beans out and actually roast them. So they started to roast the beans, and when they roasted the beans, they put hot water to the beans, and when they put hot water to the beans, they begin to drink the beans. And when they were drinking the beans, they found the aroma was amazing. And here's what's so interesting about this beautiful cup of coffee is that the entire world has been blessed by it. I think you saw the cup, coffee, Africa's gift to the world. It's amazing to me when I consider Acts chapter 8. In fact, won't you do me a favor? Grab your Bibles, get to Acts chapter 8, because I want to show you that there is something greater in Ethiopia than just coffee. Yes, we all marvel over coffee. Many of you wouldn't have finished that college paper without coffee. Let's be honest with, with, with let's be honest right now. Many of you wouldn't have sparked those great creative ideas without coffee. Now, let's be honest. Burning the midnight oil, you were able to do that easier when you had a good cup of coffee. The world rejoices over Ethiopians finding coffee. But I love the text today because in Acts chapter 8, we're going to see that something greater than coffee comes out of Ethiopia. You should be there now. In fact, let me 
jump in and read. Before I do, as you turn there, let me just give a quick shout out to John O and Portrait Coffee. Thank you for sending up some beans for us to brew up and and drink black owned coffee down in Atlanta. Shout out to them. You should be in Acts chapter eight right now. It's a beautiful story. Last week we looked at the Queen of Sheba and this week we get to look at someone else that is in Ethiopia. Why don't you pick me up at verse 26. It says, now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go down the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. Please underline this phrase. This is a desert place. It says, and he arose and he went and there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all of her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship And as he was returning seated on his chariot, he was reading the prophet Isaiah, underline this phrase as well. And the spirit said to Philip, go over and join his chariot. So Philip ran and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, do you understand what you are reading? He said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now, the passage of scripture that he was reading was this. If you write in your Bibles, if you take notes in your Bible, right right here next uh, to verse 32 and 33, why don't you write Isaiah 53, verse 7 through 8, because that is exactly what he's about to start quoting. Like a sheep that was led to the slaughter, and a lamb before its shear, he is silent, so he opened not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? It says, for his life was taken from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, about whom I ask, does the prophet say this? About himself or about someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth, beginning with the scriptures, he told him the good news about Jesus. I want to preach today from the topic entitled, Coffee is Not the Only Thing in Ethiopia. Let's look to the Lord before we dig in. Uh, Father, we echo the words of Psalm 119, 105, for your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. And so, Father, we pray that you would guide us today as we dig into your word. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Coffee is not the only thing in Ethiopia. We're in our second week on a series that we are calling Widen the Lens. And the reason we're calling it Widen the Lens is because many times we have a very narrow, a Eurocentric view of scripture. And so we're widening, widening the lens because we are looking at the contribution of Africans towards Christianity and the contribution of Africans towards shaping the events of scripture and the contribution of Africans ultimately in sharing the gospel. And I think we'll see that today with a specific Ethiopian with a specific African. If you remember last week, which was our first week, we looked at uh, a queen of Ethiopia. They, they, at that time, it was Queen of Sheba. Her kingdom was in Ethiopia and current day Yemen. And we talked about how this queen took a trip up to uh, Jerusalem to talk to God's special wisdom of a man by the name of Solomon. We talked about how this black, black Ethiopian queen had great leadership. She was able to leave her kingdom for six months and the kingdom not fall apart. This woman had not only great leadership, but this woman also was very teachable. She went up to talk to King Solomon knowing that God gave him a special, unique, particular wisdom. 
Not only that, but we saw how she was able to secure the bag. The Bible says that she brought to the king 120 talents worth of gold. She brought spices and she brought uh, all types of precious stones. And so she was extremely wealthy, meaning her kingdom was economically powerful. Now, not only that, but we get to see how Jesus in the New Testament looks back and wants to mention a queen. And he mentions, don't miss this, the queen of Sheba. And so she took a trip all the way up to talk to King Solomon, but today in our passage, there is another Ethiopian that takes a trip to talk to the king, but not King Solomon, but to King Solomon's king, Jesus Christ. This Ethiopian eunuch is in Jerusalem and he's there for one specific reason to worship, but he doesn't know what he's worshiping yet. We don't find out who he's worshiping until the end of Acts chapter 8. There's a couple of details that I think are important as you track along with us. Listen, don't, don't check out on your boy today. Get out a pen, get out a piece of paper, get out a notebook, get a journal, put notes in your phone because I think there is something so special about this passage. There's two details that are given in the first couple of verses that I think are important for us to pay attention to. Watch the first detail. The Bible says, the first two details, it says, now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, rise and go south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. He arose and went. Here's the two details. There was a Ethiopian and a eunuch. Two details you get about our main character today is number one, he is an Ethiopian. Number two, he's a eunuch. Ethiopian meaning he's from Ethiopia. Like I said, it's the northeastern part of the continent right next to the Red Sea, straight across from ancient Arabia. And last week we learned that the Queen of Sheba went uh, up to Jerusalem, but this is the queen that had jurisdiction over this territory. And now we find out today that there is another queen, thousands of years later, another queen is over Ethiopia a queen by the name of Candace. I don't know if you picked that up in verse 27. The official, he was official in the court of Candace. One of the things I love about Ethiopia, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this point because there's a lot more in this passage, but I love that the Ethiopians in two places, two weeks straight, realize, watch this, the wisdom of being under the leadership of a black African woman. Don't, don't you check out right here. Don't, don't miss this. They realized last week it was Queen of Sheba. This week they're under the rulership and the leadership of the Queen Candace, which means they understood how dope black women are and how dope black women were. But that's for another sermon. Uh, that's the first detail we get is that this man is from Ethiopia, meaning he, he's a black man. He, he is full of melanin. He's a black man from Ethiopia. Here's the next detail. He's also a eunuch. Now, I don't know if you know much about eunuchs. Let me give you the PG-13 uh, view of what a eunuch is. A eunuch in the Bible uh, were usually castrated males who were unable to reproduce. That's the censored version. Let me give you the uncensored version, but I got to give it to you straight out of the scripture. Here's what Deuteronomy 23 verse 1 will say. Deuteronomy 23 1 says, no one whose testicles are crushed or who male's organs are cut off shall be able to enter into the assembly of the Lord. In other words, that verse just explicitly said that eunuchs were castrated males. Eunuchs were emasculated men. Eunuchs did not have to worry about gray sweatpants season. If you don't know what that is, God bless you. You are so spiritual. Eunuchs had no situation. They had no reproductive male part. And here's what you need to know about this Ethiopian eunuch. 
The fact that he was an Ethiopian and the fact that he was a eunuch means that when he went to the, to, to the temple to worship, that means that he would not have had full access to the temple. You got to understand the way the temple was set up. I, I've been to the temple in Jerusalem. It has four courts. And the four courts, stay with me, the four courts of the temple in Jerusalem, the most inner court is the court of the priests. It's where the holies of holies, the Ark of the Covenant would have set. If you go to the next court, it, it is the court of Israel. And then the third court is the court of women. And then the final, uh, furthest court out from the holies of holies is the court of the Gentiles. In fact, in the, in the 1870s, they found a wall that partitioned where the court of the Gentiles was. And on that wall, it literally said, proceed no further upon fear of death. Jews literally purchased the right from Rome to kill any Gentile that went past that wall. In other words, Gentiles weren't allowed to have access. It was almost as though they had segregated worship. It was almost as though they weren't able to get into the commonwealth of Israel. And if you fast forward to 2020, no, we do not have partitions up. I don't know any church that has a partition or a wall up that segregates us by ethnicity. But many of us got invisible walls up. Many churches have walls up when we don't see eye to eye on basic stuff like black lives matter. That is a wall up. Many of us have these invisible walls up and it, it's driving me crazy because we don't have unity. And the reason we don't have unity, I think it starts with silence. The, the, the silence in the church is a, another invisible wall up. Shoot, major companies have come out in support of making sure injustice is not a reality in this country. Netflix, Hulu, HBO, Ben and Jerry's. Shoot, when I go on Ben and Jerry's social media, I be ready to get in the car or on the train and go get two scoops and a waffle cone because when I tell you they are so woke, but many churches are silent, invisible, walled up. And so this Ethiopian would have went to Jerusalem and when he got to Jerusalem, he would have been met with segregation. He would have had to stay in the most furthest outer court. But I love Jesus because when Jesus steps on the scene, Jesus breaks down anything that divides us. There is no division when Jesus steps on the scene. The reason why is because Jesus knows how to bring us all together. And in fact, it's so significant that when he's on Golgotha's hill and he stretches wide on the cross, the Bible says that the moment he breathes his last breath, Matthew 27 says that the curtain inside of the holies of holies was torn in two. And the Bible gives detail. It says from top, to bottom. In other words, Jesus was uh, making very significant that you don't need to go to the temple in order to worship God. You worship God by going through Jesus. Jesus is basically saying, yo, my flesh has replaced the temple. I have, I have broken down any dividing wall between you and God, but I also broke down any dividing wall between you and your brother. So invisible walls are something that is dangerous in the church. This Ethiopian went to worship. He went to church. He, he, he brought his church clothes and, and he went to worship in Jerusalem and he would have been met with segregation. So here's the two details you should have written down. He is Ethiopian from Africa, but he's also a eunuch and both of those would have, would have kept him out of worship, but there's more in the scripture. This man is going to be pursued by God. Let me say that again. This man is going to be pursued 
by God. Let me let me get a little bit more explicit. This black African Ethiopian man is going to be pursued by God. And watch the pursuit of how God does it. This is how far God will go to reach this African man. The Bible says in verse 26, now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, rise, go toward the south, toward the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. Don't miss this. I told you to underline it. This is a desert place. In other words, Philip is told to go to the desert to reach one person. Here's why that's so significant. If you go back and I actually encourage you this week to do a devotional through the book of Acts. And when you get to Acts chapter 8, I just want you to sit in the first part of Acts chapter 8 because the Bible says that Philip is in Samaria. And while he's in Samaria, the Bible says that a ministry is going on and it is, it is powerful ministry. And Philip was sharing the gospel and people were getting saved and baptisms was taking place and, and, and the Holy Spirit was moving. When I tell you ministry was going well in Samaria, but God says, leave where ministry is going well, go to to a desert to reach one African man. That is how far God will go to reach you. And there, there are somebody that's piped on right now that's going, nah, it's, it's no way God doesn't love me like that. It's no, it's no way God can pursue me that way. It's no way God can reach me that way. It's no way, it's impossible. Does, does God actually know the stuff that I've endured? Does God know the stuff that I've been a part of? Does God know how, how deep my sin goes? Yes, he knows, but here's what, I know. here's what I know about God. As deep as his, as deep as our sin goes, it is his love that goes deeper. As deep as our sin goes, it, it is his grace that goes deeper. I love the scripture that says where sin abound, grace abounds all the more. He goes all the way to the desert to reach this African man. It reminds me of the stories in Luke chapter 15. I don't know if you know the parables that Jesus gives in Luke chapter 15. Let, let me turn over here for a second. That There are three parables that Jesus gives in Luke chapter 15. And it's almost, you know, Jesus, he intentionally doesn't give a smooth transition. He goes from story to story to story. It's almost like an M. Night Shyamalan movie. I don't know if y'all have seen those movies. The only good movie he ever made, and y'all get at me about this, the only good movie he ever made was Six Cent. I mean, Airbender was whack. The Village was whack. Those trailers were better than the actual movie. And so he just kind of, in my Shyamalan, kind of just goes through scene after scene after scene after scene, and that's what Jesus does here. He, he has three, mo three movies that he's listing out, and he's going through scene after scene after scene. Three of them are the lost coin, the lost sheep, and the prodigal son. And here's what's interesting in all three of those. He is trying to explain how he goes after the one. I mean, in the lost coin, the Bible says that this woman has 10 coins. She got 10 coins. She loses one coin. She loses her mind. She starts tearing the furniture out the house. She starts sweeping. Why is she doing that? Because she's going after one coin. And Jesus ultimately is trying to create a bigger picture saying, listen, I know I got nine, so I'm not broke, but I want that one. I want that one so bad, I'll throw everything out the house to get after that one. And you might be that one coin. He moves on and goes to the lost sheep. 
Bible says that the shepherd has a hundred sheep and, and one of them wanders off, which is typical of what sheep do. One of them wanders off into dangerous areas. And when he wanders off, the Bible says that the shepherd leaves the 99 in the open field to go after the one. Why does he go after the one? Because he's, he, he wants that one. This also speaks to the idea of how Jesus is serious about going after the one that is in danger. You know, it's funny when we say black lives matter and people respond, all lives matter. I wonder if the sheep, the 99 sheep would have said when the shepherd went after the one, hey, what about us? All lives matter, but you're not the one that's actually in danger right now. The one is. And so the Bible says the shepherd goes and he takes the sheep, doesn't slap it, doesn't punch it, doesn't, doesn't, doesn't get mad and break its leg. He takes it and he throws it on his shoulder. He brings it back to the fold. He goes after the one. The last story he gives is the prodigal son. The Bible says the prodigal son went to his father and said, yo, give me all my stuff. I, I want everything that's supposed to come to me when you die. I'm going to actually act like you dead to me right now. So give me all my stuff. The father gives it to him. He goes off to a crazy land and spends it all on prostitutes, wild living, partying. He spends all his money and comes back home. And when he comes back home, you would think he would be rejected by the father, but he's not. The father looks at him sees him from afar off, runs to him, kisses him, says, go get a robe, go get a ring, get the fatted calf, let's throw a party because my son who was lost is now back home. In other words, God knows how to go after the one and you might be the one. Yeah, you, you, I, I don't know, I may not know you. I may not know your name or maybe I do and you've been a part of our church and you've kind of just like gone through the rhythm. Maybe I am talking to you. Here's, here's what I know, God is serious about you. He is, he is so in love with you. In fact, he's so in love with you. The Bible will say things like Ephesians chapter of, uh, two, uh, chapter three, where it says, with the great love, chapter two, verse four, with the great love, he loved us. He loves you with great love. And the greatest proof of his love is through the cross of Jesus Christ. So the Bible says that he tells Philip, leave Samaria. I, I know you killing it. I mean, you, you, this is revival. People are going crazy. People are, are giving their life to you. The Bible says that the whole city was being rocked by this one person, Philip, being there preaching the gospel. But Philip, the Bible says, will go to the desert place in order to reach this one Ethiopian. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 13, you were all once far off but have been brought near by the blood of Christ. The only thing that brings you near to God is Jesus Christ and his precious blood. So the Bible says that in obedience, that Philip pays attention and says, I'm going to do it. That the spirit said to me, go over to uh, the desert and I I'm just going to do it. And so he, he heads to the desert. And when he gets to the desert, here's what happens. Look at verse 27. So he arose and he went, and there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official in Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of her treasure. And he had come to Jerusalem to worship, and he was returned, seated in his chariot. He was reading the prophet Isaiah, and the spirit said to Philip, go over and join his chariot. So Philip ran and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, do you understand what you are reading? And he said, how can I? unless someone guides me. 
He invited him to come up and sit with him. Yo, I don't know if y'all remember this, but last week when we were reading and we were talking about the Queen of Sheba, we were talking about how dope she was because she was teachable. She was willing, even though she was a boss in and of herself, she was willing to go sit at the feet of the wisdom of Solomon. But once again, you have another Ethiopian willing to be taught, willing to sit and learn. And what I love about this passage is, you know, I've preached it many times, but there was something I often missed in it. Did, did that ever happen to you before where you were preaching and uh, where you were reading the scriptures and you, you read something and it just didn't hit you? And then later on, you re- went and reread it. Maybe a year later, two years later, you went and reread it and it hit you. That's the Holy Spirit working. I was reading this over again like I never read it before and there was something so fresh that I did not notice before. Philip says, do you understand what you are reading? The Ethiopian eunuch says, how can I unless someone guides me? In other words, there seems to be a difference between reading and understanding. Let me say that again. There seems to be a difference in the scriptures between reading and and understanding just because you read the Bible don't mean you understand the Bible shoot I'm reading a book right now and maybe it's because I hit 40 I don't know but sometimes I read in the the page before I forget what I read I gotta take notes because I, I don't remember in other words reading doesn't mean that you're fully understanding which is why I'm not impressed when you're able to quote scripture I'm more impressed when you're able to live it I'm more impressed when you're able to walk out scripture. I am not impressed when you can say, let me quote to you all the Philippians. Nah, live all the Philippians. Do you understand what you are reading? This is why it's important to be connected with a Bible-believing church. Listen, I don't care how catchy and cute the graphics are. It needs to be a Bible-saturated church. Forget, man, the day is over when we go to churches purely based on loyalty. That day, is, that day is over. When we just go, well, you know, I've been there forever and my grandmama go there and, and because of that, I'm just going to stay here. But you got to understand there are some places that you might be connected to that might be foolishly working through scripture. And when that happens, foolish, a loyalty to foolishness equals no growth. A loyalty to foolishness equals no growth. This Ethiopian is a model for us of what it looks like to be humble enough to be taught the word of God. He says, do you understand what you're reading? He does not say, yeah, let me teach you. Nah, nah, nah. He says, I I don't. How can I unless someone guides me, unless someone instructs me, unless someone teaches me what the scripture is saying? And this is why if I just simply made coffee today and ended and said, amen, I am doing you a disservice. You don't get served until we're able to unpack this word of God. Week in, week out, faithfulness to the scripture. Here's what 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 says. All scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for uh, teaching and reproof and correction and instructions and righteousness. You gotta submit your life to the word of God when you like the scripture and you gotta submit your life to the word of God when you don't like the scripture. Uh Uh-oh, let's be honest. Don't act like you like every scripture. Don't don't act like you can live up to every scripture. Don't, Don't act like every scripture is amen. You ever read the Bible and you was offended 
you ever read the Bible and was like, ouch? But I, I trust the word of God so much that even the ones that go against what I think and what I believe, I submit myself to the authority of scripture because I realize God knows better than me. So this, this, this eunuch is modeling that for us. This Ethiopian, this black man says, this is how you become teachable. You sit and you learn. He says, how can I? Unless someone guides me, he shows us the importance of solid Bible teaching. So, so what does he teach him? What is, the, what is the understanding of what he's reading? Remember, he's reading Isaiah 53. Are y'all rocking with me? I, I hope y'all are. I, I have such a hard time trying to keep up and preach and make coffee. I just can't do all of it at one time, but I'm, I'm trying to keep up with the chat room at the same time. What is it that Philip does teach him? The Bible says here in verse 31, he says, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invites Philip up to sit with him. Now, the passage of scripture that he re was reading was this. Again, Isaiah 53, like a sheep that was led to the slaughter, like a lamb before his shear, he is silent, so he opened not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. In other words, Jesus is very familiar with injustice and being crucified or dying at the hands of injustice. I'll leave that right there. Uh, then he says, who can describe this generation for his life was taken away from the earth? And the eunuch said to him, here's more teachable moments. Whom I ask, does he, does he talk about? Is he asking? Does, he, does the prophet say this about himself or someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth, beginning with the scriptures. He told him the good news about Jesus the Bible says that this Ethiopian black man is in the chariot and he's reading Isaiah, he's reading a scroll, reading Isaiah 53 and as he's reading it, when Philip comes to explain it to him, he points him to Jesus, which is so dope because two things are happening. Number one, Philip had to know his Bible in order to just drop into, because he could have been reading anything. Like you could have been reading any passage, but here's what's so dope about the scripture. All of the scriptures point us to Jesus. In other words, Philip could have showed this Ethiopian Jesus from any daggone passage. That there is no passage that doesn't scream Jesus' name. All of the Old Testament finds its fulfillment in Jesus. All of the New Testament finds its fulfillment in Jesus. Eunuch, this eunuch, this Ethiopian could have read any passage and, and Philip would have had an opportunity to guide him toward the gospel and guide him towards Jesus. Remember, Jesus says this. Remember in Luke 24, Jesus on the road to Emmaus and there's two disciples on the road. And, and as Jesus sees these two disciples, he begins to give them a Bible study. And when he gives them a Bible study, he says to them in verse 27, it says, beginning with Moses, Jesus words, beginning with Moses, and all of the prophets, he interpreted to them the things concerning himself. Jesus just said on the road to Emmaus that all of the Old Testament prophets talked about me. Every major prophet talked about Jesus. Every minor prophet talked about Jesus. Isaiah talked about Jesus. Ezekiel, Joel, uh, Amos, uh, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Zechariah, Haggai, Moses, they all spoke about Jesus. And here's what's so dope that this eunuch, this Ethiopian, could have been reading from any one of them and Philip would have showed him Jesus. So Philip finally gets an opportunity. The Bible says he does three things. He opens his mouth, which is dope in and of itself. Talk about sharing the gospel. He didn't just say to the eunuch, look at my life and you can see Jesus. No, no, I'm gonna tell you about him. He opens his mouth. And after he opens his mouth, the Bible says that he told him 
uh, he began with the scriptures. My guess is that he started in Isaiah 53. And when he was in Isaiah 53, my guess is that he started to talk to him in Isaiah 53 about who Jesus was and about his life and about his death and about his resurrection. My guess is that he walked him through Isaiah 53. Shoot, maybe he jumped off and jumped into some other scriptures to support what he was saying. But nevertheless, this Ethiopian eunuch was able to show him Jesus through scripture. And then finally, he told him the good news about Jesus. You got to understand something. If you're reading the Bible and you don't get to Jesus, it's just an academic exercise. It ain't life and transformative until I got to Jesus. So the Bible says Philip tells him about the good news about Jesus. What is the good news about Jesus? Well, it starts with bad news. Here's how it starts, that there is a holy God, a God that dwells in unapproachable light. In fact, that this God uh, deems and demands that everybody that's in his presence also bees, also is holy and is also perfect. You, you got to understand, when I say perfect, I don't mean, I don't mean like almost perfect. I mean, never messed up perfect. Like, is that you? Can, do you have the testimony that you've lived life perfectly? If so, I need to take this mic off. I need to go home. You need to be here and you need to be preaching to teach us how to be perfect. But my guess is that there's not one person in the chat room right now or piped in that is actually perfect. Here's the problem. The Bible just said that God is perfect and he demands that everybody in his presence be perfect. He doesn't accept 99s on the test. It's 100 or zero. That's it. He doesn't grade on a curb. It's a, it's a hundred that he wants from you. Problem is, none of us can provide that to him. So here's what Jesus does. Jesus takes the test for you. And when he takes the test for you, he swaps, he, he gives you his hundred and he takes your, whatever your failing grade is, whatever my failing grade is. And I stand before God and I put up a hundred and Jesus stood on the cross and put up our failing grade. In other words, God accepts us now because of the perfection of Jesus, not because of the perfection of us. This is nothing but the gospel of Jesus Christ. He imputes to us his righteousness. That, that, that's, that's basically what Philip would have showed him when he tells him the good news about Jesus. I don't know if you're rejoicing in the chat room, but your boy, my toes is running up. My, my, I feel my hair's jumping up because it is something about the gospel message. Never lose the central focus of scripture on Jesus Christ. Man, I'm told of a story of a young man that was in the backyard with his father. His father was grilling. He's flipping burgers and this young boy was sitting in the backyard, he's playing and, and a bee comes into the backyard and he, this little boy gets frantic and he's running around and he's scared and he's nervous and he's worried that this bee is going to sting him. Why? Because this little boy was actually allergic to bees. So he was afraid that this bee was going to sting him, but the father's disposition doesn't change. The father, don't miss this, the father is simply flipping his burgers, undeterred, not worried. Little boy's running around and screaming. The bee is coming around him. Little boy's screaming and the father is not worried. So the boy comes up to the father and says, Daddy, why are you not worried? This bee might sting me and you know I can have allergic reaction. And the father replies to him, Son, I'm not nervous because that bee already stung your brother and therefore his stinger is gone. 
in a deeper in a higher, in a more theological, in a solid gospel way, that is what you get in the gospel message of Christ. And that is what Philip would have shared with this Ethiopian, that you will not be stung by the wrath of God because Christ was already stung on your behalf and the stinger is gone. There, there, there is no condemnation for the believer. Watch this. There is no condemnation for this African man. Why? Because he gives his life to the Lord. Upon hearing about the gospel message of Christ, the Bible says that this Ethiopian sees water. I don't have time to preach it, but read the rest of it. He sees water and says, here's water. What's hindering me from being baptized? The Bible says that Philip takes him down into the water and he brings him up out of the water, signifying new life, signifying that I have professed faith in Christ. And here's what's so dope. You can't tell me that this Ethiopian wouldn't have went back to his kingdom and been on fire for Jesus and shared the gospel for Jesus and started baptizing Ethiopians. You can't tell me that the gospel would not hit the continent of Africa because of this man's one experience. Oh, I forgot to mention something, though. You know what I forgot to mention? I forgot to mention that he's a court official in the court of Candace. He is in charge of the queen's treasure. In other words, he's not just an Ethiopian. He's a high-ranking Ethiopian. In other words, he would not have just had access to just any Ethiopians, but the elite the top Ethiopians, which means he would have been able to share the gospel with the elite and they would have been able to spread the gospel a lot quicker. And yeah, I, I love this. I love this because the gospel message transformed this young man's life. Hear me, some, hear, hear me and hear me well that Jesus is able to transform your life. Let, let this African man be a model for you today. Maybe you don't know Jesus. First of all, thank you for, for hanging out with us. Thank you for being on our live today and, 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 and rocking with us. This Ethiopian should be, this black man should be your model. He, he should be our model of what it looks like to give our life to Jesus. I got life because Jesus died. I got, I got redemption because Jesus died. I got eternal life because Jesus died. I got liberty because Jesus died. There's a song that the old church we used to sing, I got my liberty, I got my liberty, I got my liberty in Christ right now, right now. My chains are broken down. Jesus has set me free. I got my liberty and life right now. It is this Ethiopian that gives us a model for what it looks like to give our life to Christ. There is more that comes out of Africa than just coffee. Listen, your boy likes some good coffee. I, I love a good brew of coffee. Sometimes I, I like the experience of actually making the coffee more than I actually like the coffee. It's just something so therapeutic about it, but I love Jesus more than I love coffee. In, in Ethiopia, Jesus loves Ethiopians more than he loves what they're able to produce out of the ground. He loves to transform hearts. Would you allow this Ethiopian eunuch to be your model today? Will, will you allow this Ethiopian to be the one that shows you what it looks like to submit your life to Christ. Who am I talking to today? Two weeks in a row, we talked about not just Africa, specifically Ethiopia. Next week, we'll be in a different part of Africa, but I, I want to land the plane right here that you cannot tell me Ethiopians wouldn't have been rocked with the gospel. And here's what I know. You too can be rocked with the gospel. There is more that comes out of Africa 
than just coffee. Father, I thank you so much for putting this event in the Bible, for reminding us that the Bible is not a book of America. I thank you for reminding us that there are every tongue, tribe, and nation that will be surrounded around your throne worshiping Jesus Christ and this Ethiopian will be one of the guys that is surrounded around your throne. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your gospel. I thank you for how you're able to transform lives. And Lord, I, I remember my life before meeting you. Father, I was a hot mess and didn't know it. But you came in and you rescued me came in and you transformed me. You came in and you shaped my thinking and you decluttered my life and you filled that void that was so deep. So Father, I pray the same thing for everybody that's on this live. Do not allow this quarantine, Lord, to stop us from growing in you. May we meet with you every day. May we dig into your word every day. May we pray to you every single day as you continue to rock us and shape us and mold us, help us to grow spiritually for your glory and for your honor. It's in Christ's name I pray, amen. Hey man, thanks for hanging out. Listen, we got a few more weeks in this, in this sermon series. Y'all don't want to check out. I do gotta mention something real quick before you start piping off and logging off. I know how we do. Y'all came from another service. Y'all are ending this one and you're going to another one. And that's all good. That's, that's all straight. I praise God for the ability to hear the gospel in so many different ways from so many different people. But I, I just wanna make this quick, quick, quick announcement that uh, Ty already said it in the announcements that on the 2nd, August 2nd, we will be gathering together, but not in this building, it's too small. We will be gathering outside at Restoration Plaza at one o'clock. And when we are out there, we are going to have a time of worship. Think about a piffery wine, but turned all the way up. Invite everybody you know. We'll got spa we got space. The seats will be spaced out so you ain't got to worry about being cramped up. Bring your mask. Bring your hand sanitizer. Bring your Bible because we're going to be in the word. And bring your praise because we're going to be worshiping the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. August 2nd. I'm serious. I need everybody to show up and be present. I also got a very, very dope surprise for you. So please, I'll announce it in a few, uh, in a week or so. Be, uh, so so just, just pay attention, just be connected. All right, receive this doxology. Here's what the Bible says in Ephesians chapter three, verse 20. Now unto him who is able to do far more abundantly than we can ask or think according to the power that works within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever, amen. Thanks for hanging out. Grace and peace, I love y'all.